This is a Rooster Teeth production. Over a period of weeks in September of 1944, residents of Mattoon, Illinois began showing signs of poison gas exposure. One experience all victims had in common was the memory of a sweet perfume smell filling their homes. The one responsible for these gassings was never found, so let's discuss the puzzling case of the mad gasser of Mattoon. This is Red Web. It is another Mystery Monday. Welcome to Red Web, everybody. Task Force, strap in. We got an interesting one, the mad gasser. I'm your host, Trevor Collins, and joining me as always with the gut instinct, the questions, coming in blind, reacting for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. Yep, solved it. It's Scarecrow from the Batman Whoa! series. <laughs> Easy peasy. It's the, the fear toxin. It is. Um, That's just really what it reminds me of. It does, yeah. Man, I, I'm curious to find out how this gas affects the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, how it was dispersed. Yeah. Some type of aerial dispersal device. I don't know. I'll right, have to find right. out. Um, I'm sure a theory is that the government is involved and they're testing something. Okay. Especially an interesting way to test, but you know, um, go to people's houses in the night, start juicing mean, them full of gas. I mean, maybe it wasn't supposed to be a bad gas or yeah. something, you know? I don't know. That'd be interesting. But uh curious, very, very curious. Especially like the radius. Like the like the very scientific aspects of it, the yeah. radius, how many people were infected, right? And, and how's any, it getting to them? Yeah, without kind of any, it breaking their bubble in an obvious way, right? Any little minute detail of like yeah. what helped, right? Mm-hmm. Like was there HEPA filters back then in nineteen nineteen forties? Would that have That's helped? A good question. You know I don't mean? know. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting because, and I also want to get this chuckle out the way. I mean, it is a, a product of the '40s that you know this man or woman is called the Mad Gasser. It just feels oh, like yeah. <laughs> a, a, a a cheesy villain name, <laughs> right? There he goes. That's the laugh that they have. It's it's interesting. So you can tell that the the journalists got their hands all in this one. Yeah. And that does play into this a little bit. Like, oh. is all of this from one individual or is some of this a little bit uh, just kind of some hearsay? Like, maybe maybe this was what I experienced part of this, too. Like, anyway, we'll, we'll get into all of that. But this is a very interesting case that I had never heard of before kind of doing this research. I, you know what? You got me thinking. Like, yeah, what, like, what group fear aspects are going to come into play, mm-hmm. right? Like, tons of these people are experiencing this. And it's like, I, I'm experiencing a loss of fingernails. And the bird's like, me too. And like. I have superhuman flight. Right. And they're just, they're just sharing all this, like, right. know, scared sense of, like, thought together. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I obviously know where we're headed, but mm-hmm. what individuals' symptoms are. And do they share the symptoms before or after hearing about these cases? Yeah, before it starts spreading. Yeah, because we know we have a case on our hands, at least with a few of these, when they come to the table going, oh my God, I was experiencing the same thing too. Uh, But I didn't know about this case when I came forward. So let's just dive into it. This took place, like I said, throughout September 1944, but it all began on September 1st, 1944, again, in Mattoon, Illinois. There was a person named Aline 
Kearney, who was asleep in their bed with her three-year-old daughter. Now, her husband at the time was working as a taxi driver, so they weren't home at this moment, but her sister and nephew were sharing the house, and they were also asleep. Around 11 p.m., Kearney was woken up by what they said was a sickening sweet odor in their bedroom. At first, she believed that it might have been coming from the open window. She knew she had flowers nearby. The, the breeze could have brought in the sweet smell, but she realized, no, that wasn't the case. The windows closed and the smell seemed to grow stronger. She then started to feel like she was paralyzed throughout her legs and lower body, and she knew something stronger than flowers was afoot here. She just didn't know what. Her three-year-old daughter became very ill and remained this way throughout the course of the night. And that is terrifying. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, man, I don't even know how to, like, that's the air that you're breathing. Obviously, like, step outside, but, I mean, if it's, you know, at this point in time, they don't know if it's isolated to the house or not. Like, what mm -hmm. do you even do? Well, also, the smell is so strong, it can wake you up. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what you would want to do, she's experiencing paralysis in her legs and lower body. And this is going to come through not only the smell, we'll talk about that throughout the episode, right. but also the paralysis that yeah. people experience. That's probably right. When I remember I was asking, what are the side effects? Uh -huh. That's uh, terrifying. Imagine. <laughs> you can't, you smelling something that's uh -huh. so strong it wakes you up and then you can't move? Yeah. That, that's like... That's deeply unsettling like, and worrisome. It's like chemically induced sleep paralysis. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yeah. And then also, if it's affecting you that much... God, like there's a what three about, year old right what, next what, to you. Right. What about Ugh. children, um, pets, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff? Like your dog could be dead downstairs. Right. For all you know. Yeah. Terrible stuff. But of course, Kearney was still able to speak and move her upper half. So she yelled for her sister's help. Immediately her sister comes in and is hit just immediately with this punch. I, I don't want to say pungent, but potent smell yeah. in the room. So they obviously noticed it as well as soon as they entered. And when her husband finally came home from work, he saw what he described as a suspicious man standing at the bedroom window. So he's like, who the heck is that? He doesn't know about the smell yet, but he describes this man that he saw as, quote, tall, dressed in dark clothing, and wearing a tight-fitting hat. Kearney tried to chase the man down, but he eventually escaped. So we have no idea who this person was, but we can assume that they were culpable for whatever went down in the house. So you got someone running around people's houses in the middle of the night pumping God knows what kind of gas mm -hmm. into their bedrooms and then watching how they react? Yeah. Mad Gassard makes this feel a little bit too, like I said, cheesy comics. Like, this is, right. this is deeply upsetting. Uh, I hate this. Because then there's the, the extra layer is the gas aspect. It's yeah. already terrifying that right. someone is like, not even hiding it, visibly outside your window mm -hmm. watching you. I don't even know what to do in that situation. Yeah, right? Other than maybe panic? What's the motive? What's going on here, right? You could have a weapon. Right. Maybe you go out and chase him. Maybe he wants that to happen. Right. Well, like, what's step two? Like, clearly this person's thinking about what they're doing. 911. Well, yeah. I mean, the step, <laughs> step two isn't step outside and look around right. aimlessly. But, but yeah, I mean, like, does that person have a deeper plan if you yeah. were to try to get Are there more than stuff? one person oh god that's yeah. terrifying it could be more multiple people out there you don't even know about yeah it could be someone in your house already oh my oh ooh. wait a minute oh, what bad maybe the husband wasn't at work maybe the husband was no okay no 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 okay no conspiracy theories trevor back to the <laughs> back on rails okay so the following day we're still with miss kearney for right now mrs kearney said her mouth and throat 
were extremely dry and that her lips felt burnt. This is another common symptom that you're going to hear about as we talk about some of these verified cases that the astringency, the acidity, whatever, I'm not a gasologist, but whatever is going <laughs> yeah. on with this gas, it's so potent, so corrosive that it's leaving people with these chemical burns just from the fumes. So you got to imagine this, the, how strong this must have been, whatever this chemical is, to fill the air with something so potent that it could still burn her having been in a big volume. We'll come to another case where it makes a little bit more sense as to why the burns happen so quick, but this is either something extraordinarily toxic and corrosive, or they put a volume, I mean like a volume into this room. Eerie. So at this point, so of course, the, the news is all into this case, trying to figure out what it is and talking about it. The Mattoon Journal Gazette published a story with the headline, quote, anesthetic prowler on loose. And they detailed Kearney's story. This story basically said that Kearney and her daughter were this, this air quote prowler's first victims. But it's because of this article that the town became aware of this going down. In fact, other families that I'm going to talk about here in a second came forward upon reading about this and said, wow, we had something very similar go down a few nights ago, but we just didn't, what? it wasn't as maybe wild or so they just thought it was something else and they just didn't say anything. But yeah, other people then started having very similar experiences. Okay. 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 Maybe it wasn't as wild. I was yeah. about to say, wow, we experienced the same thing. And for some dumb reason, we didn't tell anybody. Right. It's like, what? I mean, I'll be fair. The, the first, my first inclination isn't to go, let me go to the news and spread this around. But in I mean, this particular case, police. maybe you do because you're like, I saw a guy or at least a person outside this window. Yeah. Doing well, in my head, it wasn't even reported to the police. Yeah. But if you said that they experienced something similar, then maybe there wasn't, that maybe the chemical wasn't as strong. Maybe the, the person wasn't as confident as mm -hmm. to stand outside their window. Yeah, or maybe they thought in an isolated event, like again, Mrs. Kearney here thought that it was the flowers and it only got worse. And so then immediately they were led to different conclusions and the husband saw a person. So yeah. a little bit different. Again, I'll talk about this case, but- Or, or in some cases that we have discussed on this show, the person, um, as time goes on, becomes very bold and confident. There you go. Exactly. Like maybe the first case or this other case that I'm about to say is uh, maybe it came much earlier. Maybe it was their, for lack of a better word, their right. prototype mm -hmm. crime, right? They were learning from it. But some quick background before I discuss that, I want to talk about this town and how this news spread because it's a different time period for a lot of different reasons. And this is, or it matters for a lot of different reasons, I should say. The town of Mattoon had a small population of around 17,000 people, which meant, of course, a story of this caliber is going to spread like wildfire. Yeah. This is a town where most people know each other. And the news itself added to the already existing unease that the residents had because they were all living through World War II. So additionally to that, you have a rise of other crimes. Uh, Break-ins are increasing throughout the town this year specifically. So tensions are high. Yeah. Because just because I'm terrible with history, was World War II when napalm was a big thing? What uh, war was that? Was that not the, Vietnam, the Vietnam War? war. That was the Vietnam War. Yeah. But I do think, again, I'm not a his, his, historiologist. Right. Uh, I'm not a history buff myself. You're still coming off of war. Right. I My my fall that back is there's so much that happened between World War One and World War II. It all becomes a blur in my mind. But in there, though, I think something that is worth noting is that chemical warfare 
was became huge. It became huge, became a much bigger talking point, and then very quickly became agreed upon internationally to say, let's not do that. That's a war crime. Let's right. not use biological chemical warfare. Yeah. And so I mean, who's to say that this that didn't inspire this person? Exactly. Exactly. And so since we are in this very heightened I'm not saying it's okay, yeah. but I am trying to understand right. what's going on Running in the zeitgeist. Into the, into the mind. Yeah. And just a point of clarification, napalm was used in World War II as well. Got it. So coming now back to this story hitting the newspapers, everyone hearing about it, it does raise an eyebrow when other people come forward because are there copycat victims, as it were? Well, there was another couple who claimed they experienced similar symptoms prior to the Kearneys. On August 31st, the day before, in fact, Urban Rafe and his wife were woken up in the middle of the night to a strange smell. Rafe felt nauseous and began profusely vomiting. He and his wife believed the pilot light of the stove might have been releasing gas into the house. Natural gas, by the way, has an added component to it to have, a, this is just my information for the task force, has an added chemical to it so it has a rotten egg smell. Otherwise, it's mostly odorless and very dangerous if it starts piling up. Yep. So the wife in particular says, let me go check that out. I want to get to the bottom of this and then maybe check the stove and turn it off. That's when she realizes that she couldn't get out of bed. She found herself paralyzed laying there. Worst part of this whole thing. It's disturbing to say the least. Cannot move. That's. I don't that's know how frightened I'd big. truly be. That that's. It's, uh, it's frightening because not. I mean, like you're not thinking, like that. Honestly, everything you described. That's mm -hmm. my first thought. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm like wake up and like oh my god sleep paralysis, we discussed this in the previous episode. Yeah. But then then it's like oh no this isn't. I know what sleep paralysis is. It doesn't last us long. Yeah. What is this? I can't push through this. And, and then, yeah. then you just get terrified of like, they're okay, there's... My thought would be, yeah, the stove, right? Gas is leaking. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's somehow affecting like my nervous system. I can't move. So do I just wait to die here? Oh, God. Right? That, yeah. that would be my thought. If I can't move, it doesn't just... I'm like, look, maybe it fixes itself eventually, but am I going to breathe in so much of this? Right. <laughs> Goodbye. Right. Another little trick, and this isn't going to save you. And like, just don't take this as like life-saving advice. Right. This is something I heard about when uh, watching a documentary about coal miners of all places. Oh, but like, but sometimes they hit pockets of like, yeah, noxious fumes or toxic gas. That's why you have the the, the phrase canary in the coal mine because yeah. the bird will pass before a human would. Right. But long story short, if you were ever in a predicament like that, not going to stop all gases depending on the mo molecule size, but one of the things that they would do is wet their shirts or wet a cloth and put it mm. over their mouth. And that helps filter out bigger particles. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to stop a gas, but yeah. that's what I would be doing is like immediately trying to like lower my intake and like my right. breathing. It, not that you got to breathe. Oh God, if you're paralyzed. Gotta Try hold. to mask in a way, like get your pillowcase going or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe TMI, I sleep in briefs, okay? So <laughs> I don't got no Great. shirt. Now I'm picturing it. <laughs> I got no shirt. Now I gotta wet like my blanket, or <laughs> I gotta pull off like. like man, I gotta I lay in this later. I don't know, or you know what I mean. I gotta, honey, give me your briefs. Right, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta uh, like rip the sweater off of Jackie. Right, you know, my significant other. Like, yeah, give yeah, me yeah. that toxic gas, you know. And then, and then, well, I usually do, but hope I didn't drink all the damn water next to the bed <laughs> because I can't get up. My legs are paralyzed. 
Or what am I gonna do? Start panicking? Start spitting into my honey? <laughs> start spitting into Jackie's sweater? You're spitting all into Quick, my clothes? Spit into it's big enough for the both of us. You spit on one side, I spit on the other side. <laughs> Don't breathe it in. You're like, wait, it's, that, that's it's just God, for you though. It's a goddamn mess. It's that's a mess. what it is. It's a mess. Yeah, I, I genuinely coming back coming back to the 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 situation here though I genuinely don't know like this we make light of it we're we're joking right. a little bit yeah but that's because the the genuine panic that you would be in yeah. in this actual situation would be a lot to handle a lot yeah especially if you can't get up and yes. so I deeply sympathize with the couples that went through this because what do you do terrifying and I think now that we know that this was the day before the reason why they didn't kind of jump out and go like well we also had this like it was literally just time. I'm sure one case just caught fire and happened to go to the Gazette before the other one could be aware yeah, it of. it was the day before. You're yeah. still processing, figuring out. Exactly. Maybe trying to file paperwork with the police. But on top of that, what's interesting and helps substantiate this August 31st case is that the following morning, so now on September 1st itself, Rafe's neighbor reported that their daughter, had, so right next door, mm -hmm. the neighbor's daughter, woke up coughing in the middle of the night and was also struck with a form of paralysis in her lower body and was unable to get out of bed to get help herself. And so now we have a lot of little isolated cases that are starting to see one another. Yeah. And now we know that there is a trend, that there's something that needs to deeply be investigated because there's a pattern and they might continue, whoever this person is. Well, I will say it could always be worse and it doesn't seem like there's anyone breaking and entering and it doesn't seem like there's any long-lasting effects right now. Not that I'm aware of. But and I also don't know how the gas is getting into the house. Yeah, unless that window was open factually. I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, that's the thing. How is the gas getting into? Hmm, I don't know. Well, I lived in an old house. It was built in the early '50s, so a little after this time period. And the reason why I mentioned this is because there was a day where I smelled a sickly sweet smell in my bedroom. Oh. It, it just comes up because this is, this case reminds me of it. And I was of the same mind as Mrs. Kearney, who was like, well, there's flowers right outside. It must be that. And there were. There was like a big spread from my neighbor who had this honeysuckle plant, a very sweet smell when it blooms. And the way it emanated into the house, interestingly enough, this house it was odd for Texas because it had a crawl space. And oh, so you can yeah. actually get under the house and the crawl space access was right there outside of my bedroom. And so mm. now I'm starting to think, is there a way... Cause it's an old house you think the house is like a vacuum seal it's not i mean the cracks in the floorboards go straight to the crawl space that's how you get bugs that's how like you get drafts or perhaps that's how these fumes are getting into the house by way of uh, an external source you can just get to that crawl space true and then emanate it up through the floorboards or your um i mean i don't know maybe it wasn't this way during during the 1940s but i mean nowadays you have a uh like a washer dryer system mm -hmm. there's a vent that goes right outside that's true yeah pump that right into someone's dryer that's yeah i mean it would come out there's a lot pump of little it leak right out yeah, yeah. There, there's vents like that there's vents for all sorts of things even just the hvac system right mm. but that's how this case got started those are the cases we're going to discuss many other cases came about and then we're not going to dive into the details of those because they they're they're varying in their authenticity. It's hard to say. There's a lot of sources, but these are the ones that a lot of people pin down as factually part of this this actual yeah. culprit. It seemed like the early one before like mass media caught wind of it, and it seems like the symptoms were very similar and the same. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 
So a lot of the other cases, we'll talk now kind of how the investigation unfolded because it was about two weeks on that these cases actually continued. Somewhere around 25 different residents over this time period claimed to have similar experiences or symptoms. And so, of course, the law enforcement is getting flooded with these calls and they're they're desperately trying to figure out how to approach this, what to do. And I think they one of the pieces at the time that became, it with hindsight, a very big issue was that they were understaffed and under-equipped for something of this caliber. Remember, it's a small town. Yeah. And you're not typically seeing serialized cases of this nature. But ultimately, by September 5th, just a few days after this initial publicized incident here in 1944, the Journal Gazette published four different accounts. Two of these cases involved children who became violently ill. And so I think that might be one of the most more disturbing parts of this case is that a younger person or even a pet are going to be much more impacted yeah. by these gases. I mean, damn, what does that do to newborn? Oh, my. Or, or, or like, pregnant yeah. woman. Yeah. If this is impacting grown adults in a pretty vivid way, yeah. I almost don't even want to think about it. But Kearney's description, Mr. Kearney, I should clarify, the description of the suspicious man or this prowler was also released, so that way the townsfolk could be on the lookout or it's it's kind of like, a tall figure, dark clothing, tight hat, not a lot to go off of. No. I'm curious if this hat is actually some form a of... mask. Yeah, like a yeah. mask or some sort of protective wear for themselves. Right. Scarecrow. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. Got, he's got I kind mean, of like I a mean, little mask. Seriously. But, but I mean, it, it does... Look, it's not much of a description, but it does give people a little bit of like a sense of what to expect sure. in that in, like situation. Yeah. Where... It's not just some random gas and chemicals that are hitting each other. It's like there's a person pumping this into your house yeah. when you when you smell that. Right. So. This isn't some ooh rare case of these three gases mixing in right. your house naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of this description being released over Labor Day weekend in particular, there were various sightings of men matching the prowler's description reported to the police. Part of it could be actually seeing this real person, and part of it could also be the ambiguity right. of the description. Tall hat. I mean, like, mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It's, I mean, you're in the middle of the night. Right. What are you going to see? Yeah. But there was no physical evidence, which I know you love that physical, tangible stuff. I do. In this case, there's no physical evidence of the man's existence ever discovered. However, investigators were able to find various footprints and torn window screens at the homes that they visited. The window screens basically just being that bug yeah. film on the... So maybe he cut a small piece. I'm saying he based on now all of the investigation right, is yeah. assuming, but maybe cut a small piece in the in the screen and then maybe piped it through gaps in the window. Oh, uh, yeah. Or I mean, Jimmy did open a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm with no knowledge whatsoever. He cut the screen mm-hmm. with a knife. Use that same knife to create just a small gap. That's enough. Right. Yeah. Boom. Do it. See, I mean, the extreme counter to that, that happens you read that your lower half gets paralyzed. It doesn't seem like your upper half is paralyzed. I'm like, man, I'd have a, I'd have a gun under my pillow. If this guy wants to watch me while I'm paralyzed, yeah, pop, pop. You can try if you see him. Right, you can try. Mrs. Kearney didn't see him, and no. she, she knew that's, to think about the but window. But that's like, that's an extreme. Sure. Um, you, you're sure. thinking of how to, how you could react possibly. Right. right? But then also it's just like, look. You shouldn't be 
outside my window late at night like that. Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm just the delivery guy. What are you doing in my window? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, be aware yeah. that there are defensive measures that yeah. people can take. Boom. Yeah. You know, just be aware, future criminals, and don't mm -hmm. do it. How about <laughs> just, that? There's just, a word of advice to future criminals. Just don't. don't. Just don't. You know what? After Christian, seven days after this episode is released, I want to see the crime rates before and after. And you're welcome. <laughs> uh, severe spike in crime. Like, right. yeah. All it's like for is for two randoms on a podcast to say, don't do it. Deep in the bowels of the headquarters. All right. So a lot of these cases are very similar. But as the investigation proceeded and unfolded on September 5th, there was a couple, Carl and Beulah Cordes, who returned to their home around 10 p.m. A lot of nighttime activities, 10 to 11 seems to be the window. They notice something interesting. And I think this kind of breaks the pattern that we've come to notice. Oh, There was a white cloth pressed against their screen door at the front. Not thinking much about that, Beulah picked up this cloth and smelled it, essentially inhaling the cloth closely to her nose, basically being like, why is this here? What does there a smell? To What's going on? And uh, she immediately, immediately was overcome by the feeling of paralysis and began spitting blood up because of how badly this fume burned her throat. So you have to imagine that this is now some sort of compound that this rag is soaked with that evaporates easily to become a gaseous inhaling form. And it's probably the same stuff that is in the room, but because it's in the room, it gets, if you will, watered down. Yeah, it just, it, it's less, dispersed, it's not as concentrated. Right. She got the full dose That's, straight from the I rag. Mean, yeah, and throw, instantly throw, was bleeding. Like just straight up threw her nose right into uh, it, smelled it, um, burned her throat. That's terrible. That is insane. Yeah, it gets wild. I mean, look, yeah. you don't know what to expect. I will say is fine. There's a rag on your screen. That's weird. Not really thinking. You touch it. Okay. But at a time like this, where it, like it's hitting newspaper articles, whatever, small town, everyone's talking. Mm -hmm. I'm not smelling anything. Yeah, I'm not gonna smell a, a vaguely wet rag on my right. on my door. But but also like we're. But I could see it's, how it sounds like common sense to us. But really, and as I mean, odd as this sounds, we stand on the shoulders of giants. People have made these mistakes before, so we don't. Right. Don't no, no. go out and do yeah. this on your own as a kid. Right. Well, it took a very heinous act to make mm -hmm. that a common sense yeah. thing. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I totally get Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just I get like you. you're just motion and rhythm. And yeah. like, you're just already trained. Like, if you smell something, right? Yeah. You're, you're trying to throw your nose into it mm -hmm. to see where the smell, what the smell is, where it's coming from. Right. Number of times I put things up to my like nose to smell it, like, it's just a natural thing exactly. you do. Exactly. <laughs> it's like toddlers putting things in their mouth. Right. Like and that's also, just you know, kind of just, how you figure things just, out. Just hindsight, but yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like a time like that, I'm not I'm not trying to sniff things, but I mean, who knows? I mean, that's a good point. It is yeah. an interesting time to be doing it, but maybe the Cordezes uh, didn't know about this yet. Maybe hadn't made it its way to them. I don't, yeah, I true, don't know, true, but true. but either way, this happened, and the police arrived at the scene because, of course, they were called. And they discovered a couple of things. And again, this only gets more curious. They found a skeleton key and a tube of lipstick nearby the Cordez's home. Very curious, Christian, do we know if this skeleton key was to their house? It raises a lot of questions, but a skeleton key, in case you're not aware, especially in older homes, I wouldn't say it's much in current homes, they were keys designed to open every door. 
in the house because every door in an older house would have a key lock. And if you're the person who owns the home, it's nice to have one key that opens everything. But otherwise, you have personalized keys like the main bedroom has one key and the front door has a second and this bedroom has a third, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that there's a skeleton key found right. outside. And I'm glad you explained that for everyone in the audience that didn't know what that was. Wait, did you? Did you? I had no <laughs> oh, you've, you've heard you've seen the movie skeleton key though right if you the, haven't oh my god the netflix show get out of here with that <laughs> with movie podcast about mysteries you got you got movie homework you and the lady i do but watch some skeleton key i'm watching what you cabinet know? of horrors a little guillermo del toro mini mystery cabinet cabinet isn't it cabinet of horrors cabinet yeah oh. yeah Oh, I was Guillermo del Toro. It's like a bunch like of a limited, limited series by different I love, directors. I love yeah. that idea. I got my own homework now. Yeah, there you Ooh, go. There you good. go. You hit me with homework. I hit you back with homework. <laughs> Dang, you're just like my teachers. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> the task force gets hit with homework. <laughs> task force, double work. <laughs> well, while Christian looks into that, just in case, because I know there's a lot of various sources and it's yeah. going to be hard to pin down. And toothpaste? Uh, 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 not toothpaste. Uh, uh, a tube of lipstick. Oh, okay. Tube of lipstick. Not to keep Justin around, but like a tubalistic. Now it is a mention. And I'm just imagine this dark figure outside mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. these thicked up lips and just taking this tubalist, <laughs> making sure it's lubricated. Making sure it's lubricated. <laughs> it's cold outside at night, Christian. Lipstick protects better than chapstick. That's an assumption. Every time. Mm. Mm. Or they're just like, I gotta look good while I do this. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't know why they gotta make that noise, but they do. <laughs> maybe, yeah, it's every time. And maybe that's just their nervous tick. Yeah. Yeah. We're my lady, getting into the my mind. lady can know when my lips are chapped because I start smearing on that, that chapstick <laughs> going, oh. like, stop it. Put the blistex down. <laughs> stop humming and moaning. Right. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I've said, I've buried the lead too long. Here's, here's the strange okay. part about this case. Now the police arrived. They found these items. They also tested the cloth. Thank goodness. I'm desperate to get to the bottom of what these right. compounds are. Right. They found nothing abnormal. What? Very interesting. So like what? Water, sugar? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I want to know, did they find any, what, what would be normal then? Tell me what's normal and then we can at least start there. But they found nothing abnormal, which tells me that whatever this compound is, it's meant at room temperature to be a gas and that it evaporates quickly. Alcohol is very much, if you have pure alcohol, very much the same thing. So if you soak the rag in, in alcohol, for example, you would find that that would dry much quicker than if it were soaked in water. Oh. And so i that's what my mind says, is that whatever this compound is, it is a very light compound. Yeah. That's eager to become a gas again. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, then what is that? Like, what? I know. What chem Did they say what chemicals? No, we, we don't know. And uh, Spoiler, uh, we have no idea what the gas used was. We don't know who the person was. They were never found. And right. we don't know what the gas was. Oh. And that's the most upsetting part of all of this. Yeah. I, I was hoping we'd at least know, like, there's three things, right? Obviously, we want to know who the person was. We're not going to know that. That's why there's a mystery. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping we get two out of three. Right. One of them being, what is the gas made out of? Secondly, I'm still trying to bank on this. We know what the, this Universal method. Yeah. I'm hoping we can find that out. In regards to the skeleton key, the only thing I'm able to find is that there was nothing substantial that came from finding it. I'm not mm. finding any information about what the key belonged to or anything like that. And then uh, uh, in regards to the cloth, the only other thing I could find was that, you know, 
When it was investigated, it was determined to be free of any odor, and Beulah later hypothesized that it had been left on the porch in its in that spot because that's where the family dog typically liked to lie. So she was thinking that perhaps the gasser had been watching the family for a while in order to learn of that schedule and was placing it there to subdue the family dog. Like to, a targeted, specific yeah, attack. so that they could then enter the house, uh, have a much easier time breaking into the house. And do you think then the <sighs> lipstick could be part of a disguisal method and the key was to enter the residence? It's possible, but those but then, two pieces ooh, that's, are, that's oh, pure conjecture. That's spooky. I hate that. I feel like it's rolled out that the key belongs to that house. I mean, I feel like you tried on a couple doors and you figured right. that out. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm sure they went, that's not our skeleton key. It's just wild that and we they don't just, have yeah. that document. And then someone just goes and jiggles it a couple doors and you go, yeah. that's not to this house. Done. Yeah. So I would think that it's not a part of that house. And they but, ditched it too. Yeah. I feel like that could just be inadvertent trash maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I this case is so interesting. And I and I understand the desire Nothing. to find evidence. Yeah. But when you're desperate for it, you might end up combining evidence with things that aren't another unique one i thought i thought this was going to be like maybe multiple people or like uh not a sole person involved maybe a, a government conspiracy type yeah. thing which could still pop up in theory sure but um yeah one person terrorizing people through uh chemicals mm -hmm. so at this point the police are very confused a little bit lost and of course the residents are terrified so local law enforcement decided to escalate this and they asked for assistance from the Illinois Department of Public Safety. This is only the beginning of reaching out for assistance. Thank goodness. They really reached out above and beyond here. Yeah. All the while, the gasser, of course, is still on the loose and people are falling victim to the gas's effects throughout the town. The men of Mattoon themselves patrolled at night. They armed themselves with pistols and shotguns and decided to patrol while the women carried bats and clubs whenever they were leaving the house to do their a normal business throughout right. the day. So people, of course, are uh, very on edge. High alert. Absolutely. Soon after this panic began to take over Mattoon, the Journal Gazette published an article criticizing the way that the law enforcement was handling this case. Because, of course, the point of the law enforcement would be to handle it, mitigate any concerns, etc. But also, to at least play devil's advocate here, there's not a lot to go off of. And so, yeah, you're kind of left with no answers and the town gets on edge, gets yeah. defensive. Town wants answers. Now they're taking things in their own hands. Mm -hmm. And you have a Halloween situation. Everyone's yelling, evil dies tonight. Right. They're on right. the hunt. And then the movie's not as good as we thought. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the journalists at this point are saying, this is where they're starting to make their claim that the police force is understaffed. The Gazette's editorial board claimed that there were internal conflicts within the police department that may have also contributed to the lack of urgency in solving this case. Now, moving on from that now, let's talk what happened on September 12th. The police had received so many reports by this point that they had began thinking that the residents might have just been making false claims and convincing themselves of non-existent symptoms. We've talked about this in many cases prior, and that will be a theory that we dive into, but that doesn't have a good look when held up against to what the journalists are claiming. And now, yeah. now suddenly, amongst the chaos, you have infighting. At this point, Illinois state police officers, as well as two agents from the FBI, were called in to assist Mattoon law enforcement on the case. Sources vary as to why these officials were called in, but I think we can understand why. Yeah. Uh, some say that it was a direct response to the Gazette's criticisms, while others believe that the mayor themselves ordered 
the extra hands. Either way, I think it was to the town's benefit. At one point, in fact, the Army's Chemical Warfare Service even tried to determine what this mysterious gas was, but they were unsuccessful in their efforts. Unfortunate. I do appreciate that yeah. the brain is specialist. I always love that. That's another thing that I like. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I like my tangibles and I love my specialists. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, like, this seems to be the team to go to to figure this out, right? But after a two-week influx of these reports, it seemed that things started to peter out. These mad gasser claims started to decline naturally. And again, that could play into the theory that we're going to discuss, or it could be that whoever the culprit behind this was just kind of eased off right. a little bit, said, all right, I've done whatever it is that I'm doing, or maybe left or whatever. I've done it a bunch of times. I can get away with it if I peel off now. Right. Town's hot. They're looking for me. Um, this is, this is it. I go. And it only started to decline after there ended up being over 35 alleged reports of people being inflicted by these gassings. It's just, I just don't even know, like, how you find the person, stop the person. One single individual hopping fences mm -hmm. late at night in God knows what part of the town, the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I, what do you do? This. Is I mean... My only thing is, and this this starts to get real heavy, but listen, people are walking around with guns at night. People are walking around with baseball bats in the day. I don't think there's much more you can escalate on that front. So no. I think law enforcement needs to start scrubbing through businesses and locations that have access to chemicals in any way. Whether we think that they're fine and dandy, it's just hydrogen, it's just helium, or you have something a little bit more uh, toxic like acetone or access to heavy amounts of carbon monoxide, which is also just produced in your house. Like who has access to raw chemicals that could, in theory, come to this front, right? Is there a school teacher in a yeah. science lab? Is there a True. hardware store down the street? 17,000 people in this town. I think you're going to have not a ton of places to look. Yeah. And you I start mean, uh, figuring to, out people. From to there. me, that's the pie in the sky move there mm -hmm. uh, because couple things in the play one you don't know what the chemicals are and then two up until this point severely understaffed mm -hmm. which just like that's the play for sure yeah but that's probably the two factors that come into it well it also could be that the state and army chemical warfare you know team showed up the fbi showed up True. that could be just that presence alone made things peter out because they're like all right oh, now yeah. they're really gonna start yeah they're going to figure me out, so I'm just going to stop. It's a matter of time. Also, stop. maybe who went on vacation when these started stopping? Who moved out of town? <laughs> yeah. you know, these are all things you ask when yeah. the superheroes are around. That's true. What about the villains? Yep, there you go. You know, no one noticed Spider-Man wasn't there, but suddenly <laughs> Paris has a new superhero. Hmm? On Honestly, didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> he suddenly got a, a swinging, wall-crawling entity over in Paris. I don't think... <laughs> That I could get away with being a superhero. Mm. Just for that reason? Right. Every time you see the flying wombat. <laughs> and he flies. Right? And his every, costume's so hairy. Every time you see the flying wombat, <laughs> yeah. I'm not available. I feel like you guys would piece it together. Yeah, I'm the squealing piggy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like Black Canary. I, I can kind of squaw. 
and See, like I can blow your eardrums out. See, at that point, the task force would put it together. Right. Really? There's no red web episode this week, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the squealing piggy and the flying <laughs> wombat are out there doing Teaming justice. Up, dude? Yeah. Okay, come on. Come on. <laughs> this is volume one of the team up, and you're yeah. telling me that's why there's no episode? Exactly. Okay, come on. See, if we were superheroes, y'all would know. Right, exactly, exactly. And we wouldn't just make public yeah. claims on the podcast yeah. about our names because that yeah. would be silly. Right. And then obviously... Our sidekick over here, <laughs> the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Go <That's>, for chair. <laughs> that is the superhero squad. <laughs> Squinty Piggy, Flying Wombat, and the chair. I blend Dang. in in any office environment. Right. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. Undercover. Ooh, man, we got it all worked <laughs> Someone's out. Someone's going to mock that up, and it's going to be ridiculous. I need to see the fan art of that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Hey there, Task Force. This is Christian. Just want to jump in and talk at your ears for a little bit, and then we'll get right back into the episode. First up, I want to say that we've got an awesome Cyber Monday hoodie coming out next week, seven days from now, November 28th. We've got a red web hoodie coming. It's going to be a nice red with a black logo, similar to the hoodies we've had in the past, just switching the color up a little bit. So get ready for that. It's going to be coming. It looks good. We're very excited about it. And I know that we talked about this a little bit on social, Red Web Case Files has been on a small hiatus, but we have the date for its return. It will be coming back December 1st, where we will finish out the season with our final four episodes. So as before, we'll go live on Rooster Teeth first on December 1st. That's a Thursday and every Thursday thereafter. It will be live on our YouTube channel every Friday. So it'll be live on YouTube December 2nd. But we're very excited to come back with Case Files. We know we've been wanting to do it again. We hope you've been wanting to see it again. So get ready. Mark your calendars. We've got some merch. We've got some content coming your way. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Shady Rays. Don't break the bank this holiday season. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 shades for a fraction of the price and a fraction of that price during their biggest Black Friday sale ever. Shady Rays are premium, polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to every one and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays is their insane protection program featuring lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Looking to gift Shady Rays for the holidays? The lost and broken coverage transfers to anyone you gift them to. I love the way that Shady Rays looks. I'm so excited to try to get some more in my life and maybe go ahead and get some for some other people's lives this holiday season. Love the way they look, and I gotta rock them when that sun's out. Gotta protect my eyes, protect my vision. Do it in style with some Shady Rays. Shady Rays are the best holiday gift you've never thought of giving. Act now for their best Black Friday selection. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Raycon. Have you started shopping for the holidays yet? Why not? Right now, you can shop early, skip the stress, and snag some of the best deals of the season on something everyone will love. Premium audio products from Raycon. Raycon's wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound, useful features, an almost custom, comfortable fit, and up to 54 hours of battery life. And as the person gifting them, you've got to love that they start at half the price of other premium audio brands. Plus, Raycon makes it easy with holiday gift guides for everyone in your life. I love the way Raycons look. They all have such a good selection of colors and every style looks so slick and clean. The battery life is insane and is honestly my favorite part about them. 
Right now, go to buyraycon.com slash redweb and use code EARLYBF to get 20% off site-wide. That's 20% off any Raycon product, which almost never happens. Or save even bigger and get 30% off Raycon's exclusive holiday bundles. That's code EARLYBF at buyraycon.com slash redweb for 20% off your Raycon purchase. Buyraycon.com slash redweb. This episode is also sponsored by Optimum Chairs. When you're gaming, having a comfortable chair makes all the difference in your performance. And if you want the comfiest, most ergonomic chair, Optimum Chairs is the place to go. You can get yourself comfy, durable, long-lasting gaming chairs with all that fancy ergonomic stuff, all at a price that blows the competition away. And Optimum Chairs Pro Gaming Chairs are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're unhappy for any reason, you don't have to worry. Shipping is free worldwide. So why wait? Upgrade your setup and get comfy. We have an Optimum chair that's coming to the office that we are very excited to break in. They look very comfortable indeed, and you got to love that ergonomic support. Support your body. Get that health going. Very excited to use it. Very excited for it to arrive. For a limited time, you can get 10% off at checkout when you go to OptimumChairs.com and use code REDWEB10. That's OptimumChairs.com, code REDWEB10 to get 10% off your chair. And without further ado, let us dive back into this week's mystery, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Please enjoy. All right, so with all that said, all that discussion underway, let's talk about some of the theories that attempt to figure this one out. There's a handful with a lot of different informational pieces in here, and chemists of the task force rejoice. We're going to get into it on one of them. Here we go. So I think it's appropriate to start with the mass hysteria theory because it was a common theory at the time. We kind of talked about it recently. And it's also a popular one in general. Mm -hmm. I always bring up the idea that Mothman was part of that, but let's get into it. So this theory, like we said, was discussed heavily at the time. In fact, state's attorney William Kidwell endorsed this idea that a wave of mass hysteria was to be blamed for this event really flying off the handles. In fact, he specifically blames the Journal Gazette's reporters for working people up with their articles, kind of reporting on it in an exaggerative way before we really knew much. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you see like, you know, cases that are being investigated, they try not to leak stuff because one, it can hurt the investigation, it could could lead to the person not being found, etc. But also like it just scares people up. When you're trying mm-hmm. to like lock it down and you don't want the people or party knowing what you know mm-hmm. and what moves you're making and the reporters are like, this is what's happening. This is what's going down. It's drumming everybody up. Like it happens. That yeah. actually happens. And it still does to this day. And it's and it's not even like to blame the citizens themselves. I mean, it is a psychological thing that happens. I mean, we all have minds with flaws. It's just human nature. And mm-hmm. to have... To believe into something like this is only natural. Yeah. And you can't, like, the placebo effect is beyond us. It right. happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. Like, I mean, something that's kind of along the lines is just like the shortage with, like, uh, somewhat recently, toilet paper, gas. Mm, it's like, yeah. Self fulfilling y- prophecy. Yes. There is a shortage. But when that's, you're throwing it out there in the news, making it headlines and everything like yeah. that, everyone is going to start jumping on it. Right. And then scooping up you know more than what they need and so somebody rolls a pickup truck up to the to the thing starts filling the bed up with gas and you're yeah. like what are you doing yeah yeah 
And in fact, the police themselves tried to explain some of this in the in the heat of the moment. Like yeah. they're trying to keep everyone calm while they're investigating this. And they were saying, or trying to explain that the sightings of the gasser might have actually been other bystanders who were also looking for the gasser. And that they were trying to let people know and understand that these gases might have been coming from the war plant. That there was a reasonable explanation for what was going on, but because this got out ahead of them because of the news, that everyone's like, I gotta find this tall, hatted person in the night. And while they're all looking for each other in the night, they're seeing other neighbors or something. But what about before it got to the masses? But I guess there weren't like... That's a good point. Who did Mr. Kearney see? Right. Because that was before anyone knew about this publicly. Yeah. So that's but, to call his thing into question, right? True. That too. But the other early reports didn't really have a person that was standing outside the window. True. That's a, that's a thing too. That's very true. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, oh God, that's rough. But the, the theory of mass hysteria is not entirely discrediting the idea that there was a person responsible for the gassings, but simply suggests that perhaps beyond this initial case right that you know many of those 35 could have been part of mass hysteria it, what started as a one two or three off event could have become a widespread thing very much like mothman where mm -hmm. a handful of people saw something mm -hmm. and now suddenly the whole town is seeing something right but also like if you're out at night trying to find this person what are you, what are you doing up against people's windows yeah or if I was to go up against someone's window, I don't know. I feel like I'd knock on their door, but I'd be like, hey, sorry. I thought I saw something. We're out patrolling. You know me. I'm Jim Brown from down that neighborhood. because We all know each other, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And be like, just wanted to let you know. Sorry to wake you up. It was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to be in, the, in a weird spot at a weird time. Yeah. But I thought I saw something. Yeah. Where I was following that smell. But know? that's like... I don't know. It's not a train of thought you really have when you're like emotional Panics. and out yeah. there. Yeah. Or when your legs are paralyzed mysteriously True. from a, an odd smell in your room. Yeah. I just can't get over that. How scary that would be. But Mattoon Chief of Police, C.E. Cole, released a statement regarding the decision to deprioritize this case and said this, quote, The entire incident was likely the result of explainable occurrences exacerbated by public fears and a sign of the anxiety felt by women while local men were on war service. So basically what they're saying is it's a heightened fearful time. We have more break-ins coming in. We have this fear of this situation going down and they're pinning it all because we have this global war. Men have been drafted and shipped off to war. And so there's a lot of heightened fear and defensiveness in the air. So, so wait, are they, so they're saying that this is self-induced? They're, they're saying that's why they deprioritized uh, trying to get to the bottom of this. Interesting. But then also... That they think it's totally explainable that it right. wasn't some mad gas or perhaps. But who's saying it was a chemical from the plant? The police as well. The police are the ones trying to say that the bystanders looking for the gasser are getting mixed up as the gasser. All the while, they're just trying to say, in general, they're claiming that the gases were coming from the war plant. That's just... That's pretty bold it's to an put out theory. there. Like, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, we're just like chemicals from this plant mixed with, you know, just heightened emotions from, mm. you know, the the times. Like, I get it. I, I get yeah, that it could be mass hysteria. It could be, but you need to substantiate. I don't the, want to be the one your other that news. That's true, right? But <laughs> but if you're saying that's what it is, 
substantiate it. Right. And maybe they're feeling like nobody's listening to them or whatever, but I'm also like, well, you're deprioritizing it and you're not coming up with the evidence to substantiate this war plant True. What also, if it's coming from the plant, then you know the chemicals, you know the source, you can reproduce this, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. Like, why do you not, why do we not know what the component and the compounds are for this uh, chemical? Yeah. If we know it's coming from the plant. That's true. You should be able to maybe test or figure it out or like maybe what kind of, unless they made like a whole new composition of gases, like one, one piece of it is to paralyze, one piece of it is to smell and cover the smell of what it I could like be. You like, would know, you check yeah, the I know, exhaust, right? you, you, uh, you check the ventilations, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like you logs of what chemicals are going in for what. I feel like we would know though at that point. Because yeah. also they'd be like, we know it's coming from this place because every time we get close to it, we get paralyzed. Well, we'll talk burning we'll, a bit. Yeah, we will talk more about that in the next theory as okay. to like, all right, let's investigate these plants. Right. Right. Well, okay. So, so we'll dive into that. I, I do I don't want to like table and, it for too long, but I will let no, you know no that we are no, going. Interesting. To, I'm glad we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coming back to Chief of Police C. E. Cole, another thing that he said that was interesting is that because of the severity of these symptoms that he was hearing about, you would imagine that people would need to immediately go to the doctor. Well, in one instance, there was two women who claimed that they had a gas attack at them. Yeah. They went to the doctor and that doctor could not find any evidence on them of the symptoms that they would have had. And so to him now, chief of police, he's like, cool, that validates to me that at least part of this is an exacerbation of the fears, that there is an element at least, regardless of the other deeper reasons, whether it be the war plant or anything else going on, there's at least a component of mass hysteria here where people are getting placebo effects. I mean, out I'm, of that fear. I'm sure there are definitely people that had placebo effects or even just misdiagnosed it and they just had sleep paralysis. You sure. Know I guess the only evidence that the doctor would see is a severe case where there were chemical burns. I burns guess. in the throat. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing because how do you just go, I was paralyzed and now I'm not. Yeah. Right. Like there's, doesn't seem like there's anything here and we're so deep into this episode now. I'm going to say that there's not anything that's like long everlasting. Yeah paralysis like you could have damage. experienced an attack and walked away without right you know immense symptoms yeah. or any symptoms yeah but to further the idea that i was mentioning there was local commissioner of public health thomas v wright supporting the idea that yes there maybe is a conflation of two things i'm going to quote him there is no doubt that a gas maniac exists and has made a number of attacks but many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria Fear of the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. Which I also want to recognize that this is a term levied against a certain populace to kind of throw away their concerns, right? To diminish what their experiences are. And so I want to go ahead and like be aware of that because that could be what's happening here. It could be a, a factor of the time, a piece of sexism, as it were. Yeah. But... I do think mostly that like harmless. there is mostly harmless is interesting because I wouldn't consider leave that out the burns Why, the that. vomiting the bleeding or even if it's temporary the paralysis as right. harmless terrifying that was so definitely on like what a 
to me, it just sounds like they're trying to defend the fact that they didn't go hard on this case. Like, yeah. sure, sure, like, we, let's focus on the, the placebo cases. But regardless, like, you, you admit that someone's doing something sinister here. Don't, don't, like, soften it all. Like, it sucks. Let's just, you know, that's what I, seems to be happening. Yeah, I mean, the th and the thing there is, like, you, you're admitting that, right, sure, there, yes, there's hysteria. You're, like you said, you're admitting there's someone doing something here. This person, knowledgeable about chemicals, gases, compounds, etc., who's to say they don't turn it up a notch? Mm -hmm. This is alarming. Yeah, true. And kind of as a final note on this particular theory, I want to quote an article by the Journal Gazette's editorial board, because they also theorized that the attacks were real, just not as high volume as were reported. They said that, quote, there are two principal reasons as to why a culprit was not caught. One, the police failed to take the case seriously enough at first. The other is that when the police finally decided there was something to it, mass hysteria and outside interference combined to make their efforts unsuccessful. And I think that makes a lot more sense. Yes. It pulls together all the loose threads and it says, yes, somebody was doing something terrible. But on top of that, a lot of these other kind of ambiguous, nebulous ideas were falling over it and allowed this person to kind of walk away without any evidence against them. And that, I think, is what created the atmosphere well, that a, brought us to the mystery. Yeah. I mean, coming back to what I was saying earlier, there's a reason why you don't inform the public of things, right? Even if you are investigating, that's something that you wait on and you only do it if it's necessary because it causes hysteria, it causes copycats, and that just muddies the investigation every time. So moving on now to the second theory, this one is kind of in response to the previous one. So we have author Scott Maruna in his book, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria. He points to Mattoon resident Farley Llewellyn as the culprit of the gassing incidents. Oh? Yeah. So Maruna argues that the real experiences of the victims were not taken seriously and explained away by, again, that theory of mass hysteria. Many of the mass hysteria incidents involve women, and Maruna points out that naturally this case would affect more women because many men were deployed on the fronts for World War II. Llewellyn studied chemistry at the University of Illinois and later built a laboratory in his trailer home. He had access to many chemical elements and equipment that he would often experiment with. One of these experiments even resulted in an explosion in his trailer. So this is where I'm raising the flag. I'm kind of saying, hey, Remember what I said earlier in this episode? Right. Are there any places that are just like hot spots to look first? This sounds too obvious to ignore. Why wasn't he investigated? I mean, I'm sure if there was an explosion, the fire department showed up, police, was it not reported? Was it not logged? You know what I mean? Yeah. Chemical explosion, someone who's a chemist, you investigate. That You go there first. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense to me. But there are other, how should I say, biases. Another important thing, task force, as we always kind of find ourselves walking into when looking at these historical cases are that there are biases towards people. Yeah. And that is just an unfortunate fact of the case. And I think that plays a pretty heavy hand here. And because of those biases, I think Llewellyn ended up being essentially an outcast of Mattoon. Essentially that the people of Mattoon didn't really disparage him, but didn't really think about them that they were kind of on the outskirts. And that could play into motive, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. When it comes to the experiments in the trailers and the explosion and whatnot, 
Within this theory, a lot of people think that it would have been fairly easy for him to create such a sickening gas, and Maruna theorizes that it might have been tetrachloromethane. It has a sweet odor, and exposure can cause dizziness, nausea, and damage to the liver, as well as uncoordinated movement. Now, a pause, just as I kind of wax poetic in theory, I would think that this compound has a few elements to it. I think the sweet smell is to disguise any unique smells that would have identified the chemical. True. I think there is definitely a compound that attacks the nervous system, mm -hmm. which is why there's paralysis happening. And that corrosiveness could have been yet a third chemical. So I'm right, wondering- Right, so that cause like the vapors on the skin. Yeah, and if you make an odd combination, any, any chemical can cause corrosion of that nature, which was picked. Any chemical could cause a nervous, a nervous system to kind of shut down. So which yeah. was picked? It's, it's very interesting. And that could also obfuscate the origin of some of these gases. True. When you're throwing stuff together, like not only does it make something, but it'll also like dissipate in a specific way too. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I want to come back to the point I was kind of building to with Llewellyn. Maruna, the author, points out that Llewellyn was rumored to be homosexual and coupled with his unique interests, his struggles with alcoholism and a few other things, he seemed to become an outcast of the Mattoon community. This mistreatment by the community may have led to a potential reason for revenge as the initial victims were Llewellyn's classmates. So there is kind of a connection here between these first few victims and Llewellyn's history. So that was a lot of motive that just piled right in there. Yeah. I also want to say <laughs> that given some of the biases at the, oh, of the time, oh. is he a suspect because of these biases? That's another piece that of this. Yeah. But it's also very difficult to figure out because of the lacking of evidence, the deprioritization of the mm -hmm. case, and a lot of the other things happening in the air, right? The journalists kind of really kind of blowing this up, et cetera, et cetera. It's, as with many mysteries, it's just very hairy. Yeah, it's a sphere of chaos from every angle of this town. It's true. Very chaotic in the end. But on September 11th, Llewellyn was committed to a psychiatric hospital. Now, this is another opportunity for us to figure out if this man was involved. Because, of course, after the 11th, there were still some reports coming in, but there's a lot of indecision as to are those confirmed events? Because all that's, of the yep. existing confirmed events were done by September 11th. Yep, that's what I was just about to say. Timeline-wise, it's still so muddy. Yeah. It gets us closer, but it doesn't give us an answer. No. I, don't think. I mean, you think, right? Like, okay, put him in there stops you're good mm -hmm. at that point it's hysteria is rampant in in illinois in this town and small community uh, yeah you can't go off of that and then before we move on to the to the next theory i just wanted to jump in with some additional info i found it's worth noting that another reason that farley was not under as much suspicion is because sources say that he was placed under surveillance after being listed as a suspect and there were these gassing incidents that were occurring after he had been surveyed by, by authorities. It is worth noting as well that there is a, a sort of sub-theory to the Farley theory mm -hmm. in that his sisters were accomplices and helped him commit these attacks. One of the, the pieces of evidence was regarding a, a footprint that was seen outside of a window that looked like it belonged to a woman's shoe. And so I think that was the main impetus for that sub-theory to be born. Interesting. And it, and it keeps the motive that is theorized. 
Yeah. yeah. They were essentially, you know, looking out for their, looking out for their brother. Well, it plays into the theory that, which is kind of mentioned throughout these, isn't a standalone theory, but was it multiple people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next theory is that this case was real, of course, but not caused by a specific attacker. And this is what I was kind of talking about with the factories. This theory continues to say that gases used in local factories are to blame for what went down, whether it was multiple people or just accidents in general. So let's talk about it. Upon investigation, Officer Cole then believed that the gas could have been coming from the Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Factory, which was the local war plant. Large quantities of carbon tetrachloride were used there. Carbon tetrachloride was, and still is, used in factories to manufacture propellants and other industrial chemicals, in this case, diesel engines and fuel. Carbon tetrachloride is a colorless liquid with a sweet smell that is known to cause damage to the liver and kidneys. When exposed to the chemical, people can experience a variety of symptoms ranging from headaches, dizziness, restlessness, nausea, a tingling or pins and needles feeling, difficulty breathing, sweating, tiredness, increased heart rate, elevated blood pressure, coma, asphyxia, and convulsions. I feel like one of those medicine commercials. Yeah. <laughs> With all the Warning, the side effects may cause. Right. But the symptoms of carbon tetrachloride exposure are extremely similar to what some of the victims of the mad gasser experienced. It's just a question of how potent is it because this stuff acted fast, which yeah. is very unique. I feel like you'd be able to track it down. Exactly. And I think that's what happened because Atlas officialed, well, who knows if they're hiding oh, their yeah. own dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah. But it is worth mentioning Atlas officials assured Cole that no factory workers had ever suffered any sort of sickness due to the chemical. However, it is worth mentioning that the EPA has said that accidental releases can happen, whether it be improper disposal in a landfill or if it evaporates into the air or gets into the groundwater, there are other ways that these chemicals can make their way to the populace. Yeah, that's just a thing that happens. Even in modern times, it happens. Oh yeah, unfortunately. But interesting, I mean, I, I'm still thrown by just how potent this chemical was, uh, you know, especially when uh, the woman kind of smelled that cloth and instantly was like convulsing, throwing up blood. And right. I mean, at that point, like, and it, you know, it's it'd be a lot of time to like do this, but like, I I'd want pinpoint locations of if that information out there where the houses are. You know, uh, and how they're adjacent or not adjacent to yeah. the chemical plant, right? Map them out. Yeah. What are we seeing? Does that does that correlate to a sewer line? Does right. that correlate to any form of mm -hmm. landfill proximity or anything like that? Yeah. Or you see the factory, and then there's like yeah. ten neighborhoods, and then the house that was affected. Are they and downwind? It's just, and it's just like, well, then how did that skip these houses? Yeah. Yeah. Numerous neighborhoods, blocks. Absolutely. So the last theory I want to discuss is smaller, but it does play into some of the information that Christian gave there. This theory is that the gasser may have been a woman. One resident claimed to law enforcement that they actually saw the gasser and it did not fit the description of a tall man, but that it was actually a woman. Some claimed to have seen a woman wearing traditionally masculine clothing, and so maybe it was a disguise of some nature. And as mentioned earlier, by Christian, footprints could be found near some of the inflicted windows, some of the victims' windows. Right. And we talked about those footprints, but to clarify, like some people looked at these and considered these to be the foot of a woman, like that the, these were left by a woman's shoe. 
This could all explain as well, perhaps the tube of lipstick that was found near the Cordez's home. That's right. Which we kind of like was a question mark at the time. But man, like, I mean, and that's that's the end of that little mini theory and that ends the theories in general. But gosh, this case is so fascinating, but also so frustrating because of course we can all point fingers to one another, whether it be the journalists or the police or the populace at large getting above and beyond. But like, it's just unfortunate that when something like this happens, that all this other chaotic stuff happens around it and buries it instantly. It does. Yeah. And it leaves you with so many more questions than you had even going into it. But uh, a morbidly fascinating case, to say the least. Man, we've done so many episodes and I feel like I'm just a record player on repeat. But there's, <laughs> there, I mean, we haven't had one like this yet. Yeah. You know, like haven't had one where there is someone or depending on what theory you believe in most, some man, some woman, group of people, or a uh, factory. Or those aliens from Signs. It could be those aliens. They had little gas wrists. Or, uh, they did actually. They had little straws yeah, that came out of their wrists with yeah, gas in them. It was. Yeah. Or was it a happening situation? Oh God. <laughs> I feel like I need to watch oh, that movie just, just as a hate watch. Um, <laughs> but, like, like I, don't, I can't recall yeah. something like this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, this is a... An episode we've covered previously. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique one. And it's so odd, like you said, even after 100 plus episodes, to still be uncovering cases that are so dissimilar to one another. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot that wild. are similar, but... Sure. But, right. Here's a, you know, scarecrow essentially running around. That, that's exactly what They're this really is. What it is. I wouldn't even be surprised if that character was based on this. Yeah. Uh, Guess what? There on... was no Batman. Unfortunately not. So what happens when you lock yourself down to one well, city? What if the guy with the Gotham hat city? Des- that was tall and in dark clothing, maybe that was a, a, a young and budding Batman. He's like, I saw something went down to this window and he stood at the window to investigate and he's like, you, you, sir, did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of non sequitur though, because I think we kind of talked about this before and I've been racking my brain. Like my Ram in the background has been thinking on this mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. talking about stuff. What I think might've gone down just because of that rag is that whatever this compound is, is that it's a liquid, or they somehow are able to get it into a liquid form and it's so eager to evaporate. And so how did they get it into the room? I think they used a knife to cut through the screen, maybe cut some of the caulking around the window, or at least get like a very small opening. And if they could get- much of an opening. Exactly, you just need to get a syringe in. And if you could get a syringe of liquid, this special compound or whatever the heck it is, squirt it into the room and it starts evaporating there and then, you know, maybe they stay and watch to see, does my theory, I'm, I'm imagining it's a chemical expert or somebody that knows about chemistry. They're now watching, is this going to work? Let's see. Oh, they're waking up. Oh, they're scared. Oh, I'm seen. I'm out. Like, but that's what I think might have gone down. And that feels so scary smart yeah. of a crime. Yeah. It's like the ice bullet kind of theory, you know, yeah. where it leaves no trace. That's sinister. But it also really upsets me that like, how did the investigation not key into some of these very obvious signs that someone knew what they were doing here? I mean, you had two two main suspects in my head, right? Mm-hmm. You had the one person. I'm sorry, I'm Llewellyn, 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 the outcast, yeah. mm-hmm. um, uh, and then the factory, or or just someone at the factory with access to that stuff. So any any all encompassing. Gotcha, gotcha. Whether it be the factory, it is kind of an all- someone at the factory, exactly. 
It's a little ambiguous there, but it like, could be, yeah, whether it was an accident or a person right. there, it's it's still hard to figure Suspect out. Suspect factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's a wild one, but uh, but that has been I'm, the case of the Mad Gasser. I'm glad it didn't escalate. It could have gone a lot worse. Very much so. I will say. Yeah, but to wrap this one up, I mean, as we said, no one was ever found, no one was ever convicted, and no one went to jail for this crime. So that rests the case of the Mad Gasser. Man, so like to have the ability to just, I'm just thinking randomly, imagine you just passed away and you're able, you know, afterlife, et cetera. And you just see the the library of episodes mm-hmm. of your life. But then within that's a library of episodes that we've done for Red Web. Yeah. And then just to see like the, the, answer. expo- the answers to you all know, these mysteries. You know, yeah. there's going to be a library of mysteries somewhere. They're like, ah. Now that you're past, you can see all the answers to everything. And you're right. like, great. I'm going straight through episode one, two, <laughs> yeah. three, yeah. four. Like, nailed just it. one word Did answers. Nailed it. Yeah, like, that one was just completely obvious. This one just says Jimmy Smith. What the heck does that even mean? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Well, no one, no one right. figured it out. And the number of ones that go alien, 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 ghost, <laughs> alien, ghost, supernatural, Ooh. like paranormal. <laughs> Man, I, I, the thing is, and I'm, you just kind of tickled my brain. I, I would love to do an episode on the idea that there are aliens or what we consider aliens, that the UFOs come from the ocean. Now, it's a wild, interesting conspiracy, and it's, oh, and it's scattered all over the internet. So it's going to be very hard for us to research and coordinate that conversation. Yeah. But I just wanted to throw that out there since you said aliens, that mm-hmm. I just it made me think about it. I want the task force to know. If you have any articles, any information on that front, any anything that can help us pull together a strong conversation around that to yeah. present to everybody else, yeah. or start a chain them our just way. Follow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Thread on Twitter, dude. Love I mean, stuff. like that's the beauty of it. And then you know, big thanks to I've said it a million times. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep saying it a million more yeah, times. Baby. But 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 thanks to uh, the task force because. You we're not we're not locked into any one thing. Yeah. Like who's to say that we don't just do like an episode that's all about just like mini mysteries based around like kaijus, just giant monsters. Ooh, yeah. You know, like that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I would love that. Or I like love monsters. Or real world kaiju stories from throughout history. Yeah. Like, some of that stuff exists. Yeah. You know? Because you guys are here no matter what we're talking about. You know, yeah, that allows us to flex and explore in many different ways. Mysteries have no bounds, as you've as you kind of said. Er, like every now and then, we hit a whole new episode that has no relation to others, like this one that we discussed today. Mm-hmm. And so, the the more we can uh, kind of dissect and get into, the more interested it, it makes this podcast to me. I'm like, I I love internet mysteries. That's where we cut our teeth. But ooh, do I love yeah, but being come able on, to cryptids? I know. Anyway, like, thank yeah. you, Task Force. Always being there, allowing us to flex our little, little mystery legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. The, from the squealing piggy, the flying <laughs> wombat, and the chair. And the we chair. Thank you. Yeah. Love the chair. All right. Well, with that said, Fredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. Look, don't underplay the chair, okay? Every bad guy spins around in a chair and gives a monologue. <laughs> Just so happens that chair is gonna lock you down. Be prepared, villains. We're coming for you. See a villain trying to turn around without a chair? <laughs> not, nearly as, <laughs> not nearly as dramatic. Oh, not threatening at all. Yeah. But you're in a chair. Could be Christian. 
Someone turns around and you're like, are you sitting on a man? <laughs> <laughs> He's my chair, what are you talking about? That is a poorly disguised man. <laughs>